0: José, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about grocery shopping in Mexico, one of my favorite use cases um, of the grocery market and Spryker, of course. But before we're going too much into details, please introduce yourself and introduce your company, please.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you, Alex. Uh, It's uh, really nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am José Manuel Esparza. I am CEO of Duplo. Duplo is... Mexico's first digital CPG wholesaler. We are the product of the digital transformation project born in Mercado Maico. Mercado is a CPG wholesaler, a regional leader here in Northeastern Mexico. Uh, The company was founded around 30 years ago and uh, up until 2021, actually, The company was 100% brick and mortar. We uh, operate in the cash and carry model where our customers come into our warehouses and uh, they um, shop for any supplies they they need. We are B2B, so our customers are actually shop owners. Uh, We call them tenderos. So these tenderos come into our warehouses. uh, They... Take whatever groceries they need, and they take them back to uh, their shops, their tienditas. Um,
0: how many? Just, just, just to like to, to give a to give a to give a picture for for the European listeners or the, or the US listeners, a Mercado Maiko, like like huge warehouse or store, is this comparable to like a metro, for example, in Europe, or how how could we how could we uh, think about it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, uh, a comparable. Uh, European company would definitely be Metro. Um, our customers are these small shop owners, so so yeah, yeah. We operate in that way in a cash and carry model, uh, so that I think that would be uh, the right comparison. And, okay, um, and then.
0: I- and then, and and then um, um, before we are going into the customer journey and uh, what Duble is exactly making. So last time I was in Mexico was during like a language school uh, visit, almost twenty years ago. Uh, no, it's not so long ago. It's like I was there like in two thousand nine or so. But okay. what I still remember is that like the these tienditas you're describing, they're really at at every corner so when people are um are are, are buying like their taco bread or whatever they're needing they're just like go 100 meter uh down the street there's a a small store like for all the all of the basic goods and this seems to be something which is still there even though there's maybe a supermarket like um one or two kilometers away and and then my question is why how can it be that there's a small shop, like in in Germany, it was called Tante Emma Laden, Uh, um, my Aunt Emma uh, shop, Um, when there's like a supermarket with most likely more assortment and in many cases, an even affordable, more affordable assortment. So can you explain a bit why this is?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, there's this effect, particularly in... Uh, Central Mexico in Mexico City and uh, the state of Mexico, where that effect actually happens when you have maybe two, three stores uh, per, per, I don't know, 200 meters, something like that. Uh, so, so it's really dense. Uh, but in other parts of the country, uh, you may have maybe uh, one of those small shops, one of those tienditas, uh, for an, an entire settlement maybe so yeah yeah. It, it, in, in terms of density it varies depending if they are on the cities or on the rural areas but i mean uh and their use cases are also different for example in in an urban setting uh the tiendita uh accomplishes a special need or or uh it it tends to a special need from um, certain customers for whom uh, the, the supermarket experience doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, surely you know that in Mexico there is a wide uh, percentage of the population living in poverty, right? So, so uh, for those low-income families it is difficult to buy, to go into a supermarket and buy the larger presentations of each product. So when they go into one of these tienditas, these tienditas have different catalogs, right? So maybe the same products, but in different presentations. So smaller presentations uh, that they can really afford and they can really use for today, for tomorrow, Uh, But no further into the future. So actually, uh, in urban settings, uh, that is a very useful use case. Uh, Also, you have the convenience part, but they are deeply rooted in in the Mexican uh, society um, mix. Uh, And of course, in rural areas, uh, most of them do not have any supermarkets or any convenience stores. So really... Uh, that Tiendita is the only supply option for a lot of Mexicans.
0: Okay, and, and can you give like a percentage number, like from uh, how many people live in Mexico? Uh, 80 million, 70 uh, million?
1: Ar- around 120 mil- million. 120
0: million. Yeah. So out of 120 million Mexicans, how many are shopping on a regular basis in Tienditas?
1: Well, it's around 50%.
0: Okay, 60 million. million. 50- Fifty. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Around fifty percent of of Mexicans actually have as a primary supply uh, option the tiendita. And, but mm-hmm. in, in terms of of family spend in in food and beverage, tienditas represent around seventy percent. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. And and um, from a market share perspective, so it's seventy percent, but um especially now during corona and the inflation my and and what we are seeing in the rest of the world is inflation uh drives poverty and so there's like more families are moving into a lower income classes so they must save money and i understand correctly from what you're saying um you're not going to the tienditas to buy like the big box of whatever you're rather buying in small portions so um if you like if you try to calculate like the cost per gram or the cost per kilogram it could be even more expensive in a, in a Tiendita. but it is this, i would assume it's a growing market right now so even less people would go to the supermarket and moving into this kind of day by, day per day or day by day shopping instead of shopping like for the whole week is this correct this assumption
1: yeah no definitely as inflation hikes and prices soar uh, and uh, less and less families are able to go into the supermarket and more and more of them uh, go into that tiendita and actually it's a, a, a counter-cyclical industry uh, because as for example if there are layoffs on big companies then uh, some if not a lot of those uh, laid off employees will actually open up a new tiendita as a form of family entrepreneurship. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's actually growing.
0: How hard is it in Mexico to start a tiendita?
1: Well, it's actually pretty easy because uh, the only need you the, the only thing you need is some available space. You uh, or or many of uh, these tenderos they actually use their homes to open up their tiendita. So, their living rooms or their garages, so they'll they'll just use that space. they will go to a wholesaler, just buy a, an initial um, um yeah yeah uh, catalog and just take it back and open doors to customers
0: and is it is it usually uh, is the assortment usually always the same like uh, every Tendita is having like i don't know beer butter tacos whatever, or is there like um Do they specialize in, like, I don't know, fashion, grocery, mm, paper stuff? How is it? Because when I was there, I only remember the grocery-focused ones. But I guess if I would open up, like, a new new store and there's, like, always... uh, There's already, like, 10 other Tienditas selling tacos or taco bread. Right. Maybe I would focus on a different assortment.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Um, It starts a pretty common mix so so you will have maybe um beverages you will have um like um, a milk you will have bread you will have edibles you will have cleaning products and uh that's how the average small tiendita uh, works uh, obviously the the or i mean there is a smaller presentation of these tienditas in which they only have beverages and snacks. And maybe that's one of the, of, of the, the ones you saw well in, in Mexico, uh, because in, especially in Mexico City, those are predominant. You have mm-hmm. one of those like small windows uh, where you can buy candy, you can buy snacks, you can buy uh, beverages, and uh, that's all there is. And uh, uh, but as, as the size grows, then new categories can be uh, can, can can be sold. Uh, beer surely, um, more candy, uh, more house products or school products like paper, pens, and uh, something of the like. Uh, some of of artenderos go into small sections for toys for children. Uh, some of them will have fruits and vegetables. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but it, it all starts with edibles, cleaning products, and beverages.
0: And what is the survival rate of a new tiendita? If, well, let's say, you and me losing our jobs in Mexico, open, opening up a new one tomorrow, what's our survival rate like first six months, 12 months, 80 months?
1: Yeah, well, it's it's actually uh, pretty pretty harsh. Uh actually just around 1 in every 2 tienditas will survive the first 2 years. But if if you widen the picture uh to 5 years, then only 2 out of 10 tienditas will survive. So mm-hmm. it it's uh actually yeah, yeah, if you look at the big picture, you will see an industry that's growing steadily, but not fast. Uh, but you, if you see zoom in to that, you will see like hundreds of thousands of new tinditas every year but, being born but, and dead. Uh,
0: so, sorry if I'm like focusing so much on the market, but I need to understand it because wh- yeah. how, how is this? Where is this churn coming from? Because I would have, I would have assumed that the. Successful tienditas expand another living room, another house, so it's it's they are becoming like a super small supermarket, eventually, and therefore eating the food of the other tienditas. But what 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 you do you are describing inside you're you're describing is like uh, from from hundred thousand tienditas within five years eighty thousand go out of business, but at the same time ninety thousand new are starting. So, like new, uh, new corner stores, new living rooms remodeled into, uh, in, into shops. So, w- w- which picture is correct?
1: Well, actually, it's both. Because uh, on, on the first side, maybe you have a tiendita that has a privileged spot that will act more as a convenience store than as a pure tiendita. So it will start growing, and and uh, maybe the first the living room was a tiendita, but eventually the whole house will become the tiendita. But that's a, a, a very special setup in which it starts mm. from a privileged location. Another growth model for these tienditas is if they do not have that privileged location or if their market, their neighbors... Uh, maybe the, the settlement isn't uh, big enough, they will start growing by opening other small tienditas in other locations that they may seem appropriate, deem appropriate. Mm. Uh, but a lot of them, the reality is that uh, cannot work on their value proposition enough so mm. that they survive. So, um maybe I have a tiendita that's kind of working, uh, my neighbors are coming in, but one day, uh, one of my neighbors, the one that's across the street from me, decides to open up a tiendita, and uh, he maybe provides a be- better service, my neighbors eventually will go over to him, and I will close. So so it's actually a pretty high churn uh and uh, a lack of uh, professional uh, preparation or professional education to actually run a small business. Uh, that, those are some of the challenges that, that tienditas face.
0: Okay, got it. And then let's start, before we are going into your business, let's start with the um, value proposition of Mercado Michael. So those tiendita owners, when they start the business, they go into a Mercado Michael cash and carry store decide for their initial assortment they're getting like their customer card whatever go home stock their um, stock their former living room and start selling is this correct
1: yeah yeah actually uh, a new tendero or or someone that wants to open up a tendita will come into Merkel Michael's warehouses they will approach our staff they will uh, well tell them you know what, I want to open a tendita, do you have any special plans for me? And the answer will be yes, yeah, we have a special assortment that meets the need of any new tendita, we'll have some benefits for you, we'll uh, give you a card so you can uh, get special promotions and benefits, and uh, off you go, off you go to start and start creating value for your customers. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually how it works.
0: Okay, but now you've started a new business on top of, of this. Can you go in a bit more details here? So what kind of additional value proposition you came up with?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so um, Mer- c- since uh, its founding, Merkel Micro has been 100% brick and mortar through mm-hmm. our physical warehouses uh, in the cash and carry model but um, due to the acceleration of, of uh, the d- digital products and platforms during the pandemic, uh, Michael's leadership uh, actually start, uh, started thinking, and they said, well, um, we are all right. We are, we are th- thriving right now uh, because the pandemic brought like a super acceleration to, to the wholesaling industry. Uh, but maybe in three or four or five years, there will be digital players that will start eroding our market share. So that's exactly uh, when uh, we started uh, talking to each other and we decided to start the exploration in order to found a new digital business unit. Before that could happen, we actually uh, needed to uh, develop a digital transformation project within MICO. So th- this started in February of 2021. Uh, actually, um, it was a really fast process. We built all the digital ecosystem. We hired all the digital talent. We uh, created the infrastructure. The the uh, special. Uh, warehouses for for digital uh, operations, so so um, that happened all very fast, uh, and we were able to go live by November of 2021 in Saltillo. Saltillo is a city of around one million inhabitants in northeastern Mexico. Uh, we went live in Saltillo because it is Maicos or Mercado Maicos headquarters. So uh, we knew that we were uh, going to need to learn a lot to make mistakes. And uh, in Saltillo, Mercado Michael's brand is powerful, so we knew that uh, we would count on our customers' patience during our learning curve. And uh, actually, that's what happened. Uh, We started learning a lot. We, We started scaling up. Uh, and that's how what that that's how Duplo was born first in Saltillo. Uh, Duplo is Mexico's first digital uh, CPG wholesaler. Why? Uh, because I mean we are not the first participant in the space. Others have come before us. Actually the first attempts at, at uh digital wholesaling started back in 2018 but something that makes us different and that actually has us today at the top of the digital wholesaling effort here in mexico is that we were actually born from the traditional channel from the traditional wholesaling industry and uh with with that it it brought a lot of experience uh knowledge about uh, our customers what their needs are, uh, which use cases they actually need that the traditional wholesaler is not fulfilling. So uh, that actually helped a lot and made us, di- made us different from other players. And um, uh, the magic started happening. So, so just to, to give you context, uh, there are around 6,000 tienditas in the Saltillo area. Uh, Ten months in, 4,500 of those 6,000 were already on the platform, already on Duplo. So we started uh, how, seeing how did that... You reach,
0: how did you reach them? So many, so fast?
1: Oh, well, actually, it, it all starts by making this um, assumption. Mm-hmm. We have to assume that our customer... Isn't uh, native, natively digital, so we have to assume that we will we will find a traditional customer, and we will need to uh, educate her into the digital um, abilities. So, so uh, we actually uh, acquire customers uh, both through digital efforts, but also through um, Sales colleagues that go into the street, go into uh, tienditas, invites the tenderos to, to join the platform, open up an account, uh, and make the first order. But, I mean, for, for, for us, uh, everything up to that comes naturally, comes easy in a way. Uh, because, uh, well, everything, everyone's curious to place an order through a digital platform. But what's actually uh, challenging is to get that customer uh, in a journey in which they eventually are able to make orders by themselves without any input from us. Uh, And week by week, they start making orders. And that's that's uh, w- what we started seeing by June, July of 2022. Uh, we had acquired a base of regular customers that were placing orders uh, with a recency of 6.8 days. Uh, that means more than one order per week with a decent uh, average ticket size uh, we had some findings there. For example, an average ticket uh, size from Mercado Michael includes around uh, 45 SKUs. Uh, an average ticket from Duplo includes around 95 SKUs. Uh, so ni- 95
0: different items?
1: N- yeah, yeah. 95 different SKUs with varying and number of quantities, hmm. right? So, so. Uh, uh,
0: what is the o- what is the o- order volume then? Uh, the the order value. Sorry, it's order value.
1: Yeah, yeah. For for Mercado Maico, actually the average order is around uh forty-five dollars. No, fifty dollars. Sorry, US dollars. For Duplo, it's actually a uh, hundred and ten dollars.
0: So it's more so we, or less one dollar per SKU.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, in the average, maybe it doesn't make that much sense because one dollar per SKU is a uh, is not really uh, this. It doesn't describe what the customer is buying. But yeah, in in averages, that's the way it is. Mm. Uh, so we started seeing this, uh, this. Conversion of tr- of traditional customers into digital customers, and uh, that's exactly exactly when we s- stopped and said, "Wow, our model, we feel that it is being validated. We are creating values for our customers. We are creating opportunities for them, because I mean, Duplo was born uh, with the goal of saving time for tenderos Hmm. because uh, there's resupply processes actually take up a lot of time and that that actually doesn't let them focus into creating value for their customers so death rates go up and uh we we really don't want that we want to create opportunities in which tenderos have much better survival rates right so, uh, I mean, we saw that, we saw that the, the business model was validated and uh, and we said, well, now it, it is time to start our escalation roadmap. So we, we started to work on it. And uh, on December of last year, December the 1st of 2022, uh, Duplo launched, went live uh, in Monterrey. And uh, we went live in a three-warehouse model that practically, practically covers the whole uh, Monterey area.
0: And those warehouses are not connected to a, to a uh, Mercado Maico, um cash-and-carry market? It's like standalone warehouses.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are standalone warehouses specifically for digital operations, for mm-hmm. Duplos digital operations. So, yeah, yeah, and, and we have a wide coverage. Um, it was very important for us to really be able to satisfy our value promise. For example, if uh, one of our customers places an order today by 1 p.m., they get it delivered the same day. So we wanted to, to be able to offer that in Monterrey and uh That's why we we started with that model. Uh, Just to give you context, Monterrey is a city of around 5 million people.
0: And how many tienditas are there?
1: Well, it varies according to the source, but uh, it it, it starts at 17,000. There are uh, people that say it's 30,000, but... I mean we we start from the assumption that ten, that there are 17,000.
0: How how is your adoption rate so far? This is far away from your home turf. So I understand there's a couple of like branding advantages in 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 your in your in in the Mercado Maico home town. So New Town second biggest in Mexico. Uh, um how is it working out for you so far Jose? Tell us the truth.
1: Well, uh there's there's definitely a a difference, right? Uh because but but I mean, it goes both ways. It's harder on some some things and and easier on other things. For example, in uh, Saltillo, it was really easy to leverage Mercado Michael's brand and really get new customers fast. But only up to a point because uh there, I mean, Mercado Maico is the leading wholesaler in Saltillo, but there are other wholesalers. So eventually, when uh, you have invited your whole customer base to join Duplo, you need to start working on that other uh, segments of customers. And uh, maybe some of them like Mercado Maiko and some of them don't. And uh, I mean, uh, you, you, you get the picture. And, um, but during that time, it allowed us to really work on the service model, on the quality of service, on the uh, communication that we uh, found that worked with our customers, on our model so once we arrived in Monterrey and uh, Monterrey is a city where Merkel and Michael do not do not have any physical warehouses, that was definitely an issue. We uh, couldn't acquire customers as easily at the start. but actually everything that we learned in Saltillo worked for us uh, to really scale up much faster than we did in Saltillo. So So uh, I mean, uh four months in in Monterrey and uh the orders that are, the, the weekly orders that we are serving in the city are actually higher than the ones that we are serving in Saltillo so so from November to today we have doubled in size uh thanks to those challenges that we first first faced in Saltillo and that we applied in Monterrey. So I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it was a different in branding, but uh, we have learned something in the way.
0: Okay, got it. So it's it's very impressive um, um, already. And my, my my question, the question appears with your delivering capabilities. Like three warehouses in Monterrey, you can deliver like same day isn't it somehow appealing that you could also deliver like to B2C customers? Uh, so, because I don't know there there aren't like too many um, competitors in that business. And let's say I'm a household that can afford like a $50 order. Uh, you have essentially in your warehouses, you have all the basic stuff I need like grocery side, paper side. So you could just like expand your business like Dublo B2C and, uh, um, and And then deliver like to end consumers in a huge market like a five million uh, uh, people cities. So is this something that that occurred to you uh, and you're thinking about, or is it like very far away from your core business?
1: Well, uh, it's definitely appealing, but it's also so far away from our core business. And uh, it's just like in in Greek mythology, the the tale of Ulysses and the the mermaids. Uh, So it sounds really appealing, but it is extremely dangerous for us to really lose focus on the B2B market and uh, start trying to... to, uh, or making B2C efforts because uh, it's too completely different business models uh that i mean eventually we would like to be able to develop but right now we are highly focused on the b2b side
0: Mm. okay got it maybe we can spend like a minute or so on on the on the tech part because um we are not we are not uh talking with each other here uh because we somewhere met at a retail conference but you decided very early in the process um, for for our technology Spryker. Can you guide us through the decision making process? Because most companies or many companies w- would have started with like a very simple tech stack. Like they would said, okay, instead of investing in a in, in, in a proper commerce technology, let's go with um, I don't know Shopify. Yeah, let's let's set up like the first the first store. Obviously, you you ha- you you have chosen like for a different route. C- can you tell us why? you don't do like you don't need to do the spike marketing here but it's like it's really interesting uh, how you, how he decided
1: yeah yeah no sure uh, l- let me just give the context that uh, my whole career has been devoted to creating and launching digital products and platforms uh, b2b digital products and platforms for micro businesses in Mexico and Latin America so actually, uh, before starting any effort on Duplo, I had um, some experience working with these other uh, really easy to set up and easy to launch uh, platforms. But uh, the challenges, the challenges that I faced before, um, challenges in which. I needed to take really API-first approaches to building these ecosystems. Uh, They were met with a lot of challenges from these traditional platforms. So so once I started uh, trying to picture uh, what was needed for Duplo, uh, I knew that we needed to create something that really... May, could make our customers feel comfortable using digital, uh, a digital platform. So I knew that I needed to create uh, a customized, highly customized uh, buying experience. For example, there are no computers within Tienditas, uh, so that's challenge, but uh, every Tiendita has uh, the latest smartphones In it, Uh, the the Tendero has the latest smartphone and his sons and daughters, too. So that was a natural way for us to go. Uh, So I started with that, and uh, I said, well, I I have been using non-composable platforms uh, as if they were composable, but that presents a lot of challenges. So right now... Facing the volumes that we need and facing the market size and all of that, uh, I really need to start with a natively composable solution. Uh, but at that time, I didn't know any of them. So, mm-hmm. so I, I mean, I need, I knew I needed an enterprise-grade uh, solution. I started at Gartner's Magic Quadrant for digital commerce. Uh, I saw several vendors including Spryker and um, I just started calling each and every one of them and uh, it, it started flowing with Spriker. I saw some things that were really interesting for me because uh, I mean Composable sounds really interesting until you realize that you need a, a large team of developers and if you're not prepared for that uh then then that may come as a, as a shock uh i knew i knew that but i also knew that i wanted to have a small internal team a small internal de- development team so actually uh what really worked for me w- were uh pvcs uh, uh what 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 are they called um Packaged business capabilities. So using those PVCs, actually the development effort that I needed to take was much uh, lower, but at the same time leveraging everything composable. So so um, I mean, that's that's kind of the story uh, how how uh, I ended up selecting Spriker and why I did it. Uh, it basically offered me. Uh, the lowest development effort for the highest level of customization. Uh, so, overall lower uh, TCO and uh, uh, a really fast time to market. I mean, those those are the things.
0: And was it hard for you to get um, skilled developers in Mexico for Spryker?
1: Um, no, actually it wasn't. I mean... Mexico is, is um, uh, a, a pool of really talented developers. So, so uh, I mean, Spryker comes with a tech stack that's really uh, easy to understand and, uh, I mean, to find people that know PHP, for example. So, uh, actually, it wasn't that of a challenge to manage the technology uh the the learning curve for us was learning actually Spryker's ar- architecture and building on, on top of it and building our ecosystem so uh yeah yeah those those were the challenges uh not not the talent only knowing or, or getting to know the architecture
0: okay got it but from from what I hear and what I understand so it's it, it's a very compelling setup so the the expansion, the expansion path must must be clear. So with this kind this kind of growth rate in the cities where you've where you've de- where you have deployed the the Duplo service, it's kind of a no-brainer of like growing into uh, into other cities. So how many tienditas can you serve with your three warehouses in in Monterey? Not not all of the twenty thirty thousand, depending on what kind of count you're relying on.
1: Right. Right. Uh, with our installed capacity, we actually can serve around 14,000 of them. Okay. Yeah, that's, so a, it's,
0: that's a lot. It,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite high. And uh, I mean, something that has come really natural or organic for us has been this expansion. So when we launched it in Saltillo, we launched in a single, single store uh, or single location mobile store. When we went into Monterrey, we changed that to a multi-location uh, mobile store. But just recently, I'm I'm talking about uh, two days ago, we launched our web store. So actually, we have a multi-location mobile and web stores that really uh, have been really easy to build on top of of our first effort. So so yeah yeah it's it's a uh, been easy on that side.
0: And just one one word on the competitor side. Um, so my understanding is in, in Mexico you have like two strong marketplaces: Amazon, obviously, because they've built so many warehouses close to the border, easy for them like to ship into Mexico, and Mercado Libre. Um, and both are like. Uh, global marketplaces approach approaches like chinese sellers um or chinese manufacturers can like sell to mexico via those marketplaces is this somehow a competition in some some area you just like mentioned toys so some tenditas are focusing on toys so ca- can you compete with with those marketplaces when it comes to uh um, when it when it comes to specific assortments like toys
1: well, uh, I mean, if we were focused on toys, then yeah, definitely they would be my competition. But we are actually focused on groceries, mm. uh, so so that actually makes that uh, Amazon uh, neither Amazon nor Mercado Libre nor Alibaba uh, are actually competitors for us. Uh, even other digital players are not uh, we we. We see them as comparables, but not really competitors. Uh, something that uh, we have learned is that in order to place Duplo as a primary source of of, um, uh, of of resupplyment for for our customers, we need to be better than the best of the traditional players uh, on each city or each. Uh, zone that we're in so uh, it, it seem, seems counterintuitive maybe but uh, Duplo's challenge is actually to compete against these super fine-tuned uh, de- uh, traditional players with physical warehouses um, because I mean digital grocery distribution in Mexico is underdeveloped to say, mm-hmm. to to put it kindly, uh, right now for many of of, of or for some uh, CPG manufacturers, Duplo is uh, already uh, their number one digital customer in all of Mexico. So, so uh, I mean, we we could say, oh yeah, yeah, we're so great. But I mean, it's it's the market is so underdeveloped that what that was not so hard to achieve we have to push that boundary every day so that's why we have to focus on the traditional players that actually are doing a great job
0: mm. I definitely have to ask, have to visit you in Monterey. I, I just shared as we discussed, like uh, a friend's contact, <laughs> also in Monterey. So like two reasons, uh, two reasons to uh, to come there. So it's 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 yeah, it's it's really impressive what you have achieved. Uh, the the growth rate is uh, is impressive. The adaption is is the uh, fastest and strongest that have strongest I've ever heard of. Uh, so usually you see this kind of. Uh, charts online, um, how many months it take? Um, uh, it took like Twitter to get to 100 million and ChatGPT to get to 100 million, and we need this kind of chart for like B two B businesses. Uh, how long does it take to get to the first 10,000 B two B customers? So I'm pretty sure, even on a global scale, uh, um, Dublo would uh, uh, would have a very strong rating uh, um, um, on this chart. Um, looking forward, uh, um, how this how this develops? Pretty sure Monterey won't be the last city to expand into and uh um I'm really excited to get like an update uh, uh, later this year thank you jose